Good morning, everyone. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm glad you're tuning in this morning. Um, we do have several, several prayer requests uh, as we go into our prayer time this morning. Uh, again, I ask that you continue to lift up Miss Ruth Lockett and the issues that she is having and pray wisdom over the doctors that they figure out from the test results exactly what's going on. Um, also, continue to remember PJ Armour, who is in the hospital with pneumonia. Uh, pray for PJ and pray for Shirley as well. Um, also, please pray for the family of Barbara and Willie Tidwell, um, who lost their life in a home invasion uh, this weekend. So please keep their family in your prayers. Also, keep this morning, especially in your prayers, those that have been affected by our weather. Uh, I know that there are trees down everywhere, and I'm sure there are people without power. So remember them, especially those over at Wind Creek. Uh, I do know the storm hit over there. Uh, our daughter and son-in-law are camping there this week. So uh, as soon as this broadcast is over, we're going to go help them get things straightened out. And uh, we do know that there was a good bit of damage there at Wind Creek. So please keep those campers and those individuals and the workers that are helping over there right now. Please keep them in your prayers. So uh, let us go to God in prayer this morning. Almighty God, we thank you so much for the gift of being in relationship with you, Lord, and especially during times like this when we can call on you and we know, Lord, that you are here and that you are already in each and every situation that not only was lifted up here this morning, but those things that are on a continuing basis, Lord, that need your constant attention and those people, Lord, that need your help, who need your comfort, who need your guidance, Lord. We pray for all of our first responders, especially in this weather today. Lord, we pray for those who continue to work on the front lines during this pandemic, Lord, and we just pray new mercies over them each and every day, Lord, as they go into work, Lord, as they put themselves at risk. And Father, we know that here in our own area that Arbor Springs has been especially hit hard, Father, so we just pray healing over that nursing facility, Lord, and, and those that we're not aware of, Father, just minister to those workers, to those patients that have been affected, Lord, and let them feel the prayers that are being lifted up for them, not only from this place, but from many places, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy, and Lord, we thank you that we can call upon the name of Jesus whenever we have a need, Lord, whether it's a private need, Lord, or whether it's a community need, Lord, we know that you hear us when we call on you. So, Father, thank you for that gift, and thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. 
Our scripture this morning comes from John's Gospel, and I know that if you've heard me before or know anything about me, that John is my favorite gospel of the four gospels. We will be reading from John chapter 20 this morning, verses 19 through 31. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Father God, let us take our cues from Thomas this morning. And in the face of unbelief, Lord, may you teach us faith yet again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I have entitled this message, if you will, Did Thomas Get a Bad Rap? Because sometimes I think we as human beings jump to conclusions about Thomas. And I wanted to try to set the record straight this morning. When I was in elementary school, one of my favorite family vacations 
was a trip that we made to the mountains. Our destination, Gatlinburg. I was fascinated as we walked up and down the streets of Gatlinburg, seeing the different shops and the, the different things that we encountered. But there is one thing that I remember so vividly from that trip. We were walking up the street and out in the window of this one particular place, there was one of the strangest things that I think I had ever encountered at that particular point in my life. As you looked into the window of this place, you could see a water faucet. And instead of the water coming out of the water faucet like we're used to seeing, the water was going up into the faucet with no apparent source. And I was fascinated. So after a lot of tugging and pulling on Daddy's arm and begging us to let us go into that store, we, we went into this place. And I must say, I was totally yet even amazed more. Once we got inside, I saw things that I had never seen before and could not explain at all. There were things like a Chinese shrunken head. There was a giant who was at least eight feet tall. And I believed every single thing that I looked at inside Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. One of our favorite shows growing up was Get Smart. And if Maxwell Smart from that TV show, who was a detective, had been in that place, he might have said, would you believe a shrunken head the size of a lemon? I would have quickly said, yes, yes I do. I could imagine though, that as the disciples gathered around Thomas and they began sharing their experience of Jesus being amongst them, and they were telling Thomas all of these unbelievable things, I can imagine that it must have sounded a bit like Maxwell Smart when they said, Would you believe that Jesus has risen? Would you believe that our Lord and Savior who died on the cross is now alive? Would you believe that Mary and some of our women and us as well have seen Jesus risen? And I can imagine Thomas's response to that saying, No, no, I can't believe such a crazy tale as that. It's unbelievable. And from that very moment on, Thomas became known as Doubting Thomas. Now, it doesn't matter, apparently, that Thomas in later years carried the gospel to India, where today, 
there is still an order of St. Thomas, the Christians of St. Thomas. Unfortunately, Thomas will always be doubting Thomas because of one moment in his life. But I think that we do Thomas a disservice if we leave it at that. I think we need to understand the whole story of Thomas to get a true picture of Thomas and his life. Because I think that his reputation as a skeptic is undeserved. Now, today's gospel from John is not the only place that Thomas is mentioned. And I think if we learn a little bit more about Thomas and about his faith, I believe that could impact our own faith this morning. John chapter 11 tells us a little bit more about Thomas. Jesus is talking to the disciples and it was that period of time when Lazarus had died and he had already been put in the tomb and word had come to Jesus and the disciples begging him to come and Jesus had waited. But Jesus made the decision to go on to Bethany so that they could be with Mary and Martha and those that were grieving Lazarus' loss. The disciples could hardly believe that Jesus wanted to grow, get anywhere close to Jerusalem because the fear and the hatred of Jesus had grown to such a point at that point in time. They must have thought him crazy. And in the midst of their discussion and the decision to go on to Bethany, it was Thomas who stepped up. And looking around at the other disciples, he told them, Let us also go, so that we may die with him. To make such a statement, to take such a stand, requires a tremendous amount of courage on Thomas's part. A man who was willing to lay down his own life for the life of his friend and teacher, Jesus. So, I have to ask this morning, is the courage of Thomas completely lost just because of one moment in time? You know, I don't know about you, but I would hate to think that People judged me based on just one moment of my history. Where it didn't matter what came before it or what might possibly come after it. But being judged just on one incidence of life. As followers of Jesus, I think that we should decide 
whether we want to be scorekeepers for God, which he really doesn't need in the first place, recording all of the wrongs done by people everywhere, and especially Christians? Or do we want to be a people of grace, like God himself, showing love and forgiveness, and possibly even understanding? The next time that we hear from Peter, or hear from Thomas, excuse me, is in John's Gospel, chapter 14. Jesus is speaking some strange words to the disciples. He's talking to them about the necessity for him to go away and take care of some business in his Father's kingdom. And Thomas, once again, bravely admits that he, for one, doesn't have a clue what Jesus is talking about. Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? And it was that very question that prompted Jesus in that particular moment to explain in words that even we can understand today when he made one of those most memorable statements, I think, that we find in Scripture, as he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I don't know about you, but that took some powerful honesty from Thomas to admit and to say something to Jesus that he wasn't making any sense. That he just could not grasp what Jesus was trying to tell him. And I think though that because of Thomas's honesty. I think maybe that we are a little wiser today. Because of Thomas's words about his own lack of understanding, we were given those words and that message that has sustained us and filled us with hope in our own moments of loss and separation. But it's also, it should give us the courage to admit to Jesus that sometimes we just don't know and we can't understand and to ask him to give us understanding. Today's text is the next place that we hear from Thomas. Jesus appears to the disciples knowing full well how totally unbelievable his appearance must be to the minds of the disciples. So he takes it upon himself to show them his hands and his side. And just in case you missed that, let me put it another way. This group of faithful followers of Jesus demanded proof just like Thomas did. 
the exact same kind of proof. He showed them his hands and his side. They doubted every bit as much as Thomas did and as much as you and I even would doubt in that same situation. They needed proof. Jesus just beat them to the punchline by going ahead and showing them his hands and his side. I think this says a lot about Christians. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of doubt going on in the Christian community today. And I'm not real sure where that has come from. And there's such a negative attitude about doubt. But really, I don't think the issue is about doubt at all. I think the real enemy of our faith is unbelief. If you think about it clearly, doubt can sometimes be a good thing because it causes you to search a little more, to pray a little harder. It can be a way to exercise our faith. So what are we supposed to do? None of us want to be known as a doubting Thomas, but we all have questions that can't be resolved about our faith. How many times have we said we'll add that question to our list of questions when we get to heaven? Because there's some things, sometimes many things, we just can't understand. But I think there's a valuable lesson here that Thomas has taught us. I think he teaches us to be honest enough, to be brave enough, to say three words that when it comes to Jesus and the scriptures and our faith, that we just somehow don't want to utter those words, I don't know. We can learn from Thomas that even though we don't know where our journey is taking us, it's enough simply to know that God makes our journey with us. And in those times when our faith needs a little bit of tangible reality, it's good to know that God understands and, as usual, reacts with grace. I know people all around me who have questions about their faith and the things that they believe. Why, just this week, I, I had a friend tearfully admit to me that her faith was not exactly where she felt like it ought to be. That right now, in this period of her life that she's in, that her faith doesn't seem to be as strong as it once was. And I know that sometimes, too, the church may make us feel shameful 
for our doubts. They may make us feel like second-class citizens having to ask questions. It becomes a negative thing where it could be a positive thing. It could be a place for us as Christians to, to grow, to explore, and to learn. So, right here in this place this morning, I think that Thomas should be known as someone who had the courage to admit his lack of understanding. We should be glad for the willingness that he showed to be honest about his doubts. What better time and ways as right now as we are in the midst of experiencing something that none of us have ever experienced before with this pandemic and the questions that we ask God and others when we hear of deaths and the spreading of this virus what better time to take the lessons that Thomas gives us. We should embrace these truths that we have learned from Thomas and may we take away from them the fact that our doubts may not always lead us to the answers that we're searching for, but they will most certainly enable us to grow in our faith. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for Thomas, Lord, and we celebrate him, especially today, as we learn the truths of his lessons, Lord, of his honesty and his courage, of his ability to be okay with asking those questions. Lord, what may we be brave and courageous when we have questions of faith that come up. Give us the courage not only to bring them to you, but to explore more and to grow deeper in you in our searching. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.